From the food we eat, the air we breathe, the land we dwell, to the health of our body and mind and the well-being of all things in the universe. Unlock the science with Chula Radio Plus. Welcome to Unlock the Science. I'm Virada Salim. Natural heritage is a key asset of all countries in the world, and is a legacy for knowledge sharing and a great way to boost tourism. Therefore, we need to protect and conserve our heritage for future generations. The idea of launching an international movement for protecting the shared heritage of the world emerged after the creation of United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, or UNESCO, in 1945 to, among other objectives, encourage the identification, protection, and preservation of cultural and natural heritage around the world, considered to be of outstanding value to humanity. This is embodied in an international treaty titled "The Convention Concerning the Protection of the World Cultural and Natural Heritage," adopted by UNESCO in 1972. What makes the concept of the world heritage exceptional is its universal application. World heritage sites are seen as belonging to all the peoples of the world, irrespective of the territory on which they are located. Places as unique and diverse as the ancient pyramids of Egypt, the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, Angkor Wat in Cambodia, and the Inca civilization of Machu Picchu in Peru make up our world's heritage. As of February 2021, the list of UNESCO features 1,154 sites in 167 countries as world heritage. Included on the list are 897 cultural sites, 218 natural domains, and 39 mixed natural and cultural sites. Italy is home to the largest number of UNESCO World Heritage Sites in the world, boasting 58 such locations, just ahead of China with 56. Germany comes in the third with 51 sites, while Spain and France share the same number with 49 locations. For Thailand, the country owns six UNESCO World Heritage Sites recognized for their outstanding cultural or natural importance. The country's historic capitals of Sukhothai and Ayutthaya were both nominated by UNESCO as World Heritage Sites in the cultural category in 1991. One year later, the prehistoric Ban Chiang archaeological site in the northeastern province of Udon Thani was added to the same list. UNESCO also recognizes three wildlife habitats in Thailand, with the last adoption in 2021 of a prominent forest complex located southwest of Bangkok. No matter how many UNESCO heritage sites a country owns, any new addition to the prestigious list is sure to boost tourism. Besides the economic benefit from listed sites, hosting World Heritage Sites could also have other subtle geopolitical applications as some Asian countries have been using their heritages to enhance their national brand on the global stage. Heritage is sometimes referred to as soft power, a phrase which the Cambridge English Dictionary defines as the use of a country's cultural and economic influence to persuade other countries to do something rather than the use of military power. 
Various governments have recognized that heritage, a soft power, can improve the image of a country or a region abroad. Up next, a l o c k the science reporter Patrawadi Patranawik discusses the importance of World Heritage Sites and the role of the UNESCO with Assistant Professor Dr. Kasira Chipensu, Deputy Dean of Faculty of Political Science, Jualongon University. Good afternoon, Ajahn Kasira. What is World Heritage? What are the criteria for UNESCO World Heritage Site? To be considered World Heritage, um, the property or the site must have outstanding universal value and meet at least one out of ten selection criteria. In a sense, the World Heritage itself is taken as belong to everyone. So, um, for example, the selection criteria are firstly to represent a masterpiece of human creative genius. Secondly, to exhibit an important uh, interchange of human values over a span of time. Thirdly, to bear unique or at least exceptional testimony to cultural tradition or to a civilization. So, for example, Stonehenge uh, meets all three criteria. Sukhothai so, Thai in Thailand meets the first and the third criteria, and the historic city of u t h i y a meets the third criterion. Um, in To qualify as natural heritage, um, it must meet like one of those ten criteria. But for example, to contain a natural phenomena or areas of exceptional natural beauty, or to be outstanding examples representing significant ongoing ecological and biological processes, or to contain the most important and significant natural habitats for. i n s i t u conservation, i n s i t u meaning original place. Um, so, Gangrejan Forest Complex and the Dongpia Yen Kau Yai Forest Complex meet the last criteria that I mentioned. What role does UNESCO have in protecting and preserving the heritage sites? UNESCO has designated five strategic objectives, actually, um, as you can see from its own website, known as the Five Cs, comprising of credibility, conservation. Capacity building, communication, and communities. In summary, really, um, UNESCO documents properties of outstanding universal value. Um, it aims to be authority in maintaining such list. UNESCO also has list of world heritage in danger, where the organization put properties a threat of disappearance or major deterioration in that list. So, in this way, the issue is raised to global awareness. And cost of operations estimated. Um, UNESCO tries to ensure effective conservation of world heritage properties by working with the countries and communities, and provide assistance to the countries and communities if necessary. Heritage is sometimes called soft power. Could you please expand the concept of heritage as soft power in terms of culture, values, and foreign policy? That is a um, very interesting question and a bit difficult to answer, really. So, soft power, according to Joseph Nye, who coins this concept, is one way the behavior of others can be influenced by non-forceful means. So, the countries trying to use like non-coercive measures to try to um, influence or, or convince other countries really to do what um, it. It decides, uh, you know, to achieve desirable outcome. So, robust sources of soft power, be it culture, as you say, you know, values and foreign policy, at disposal of the state 
could help facilitate desirable outcomes as such. This is not by coercion, as I say, and cooperation might be more sustainable that way if the partners recognize and understand the norm and practices therein. So they understand that the product as presented is attractive and needs to be preserved. See, heritage could be conceptualized as the way the government tries to give meaning and understanding of how it needs to be perceived. So it's also closely linked with national image in a way. There are many ways the states could use heritage as soft power, such as promoting the sites as attractive and imbued with historical meanings. You know, having um, people visit it, coming in flocks, or helping others in maintaining and transferring know-how in heritage conservation. In that way, it helps like neighboring countries. You know, who who um, is is a little bit more inferior in in resources um, to do this heritage conservation and also cooperating with UNESCO as a whole in general. This could increase positive image and moral standing in international relations of that country. Why is Thailand accelerating effort to promote our cultural heritage internationally? I'd say that efforts to promote cultural heritage have always been on Thailand's agenda. I mean, more or less. Um, we could divide the advantages of that into material and immaterial benefit. So, for example, immaterial benefit contains um, involves international recognition, the process in identity building. Um, this could be a kind of feedback loop into source of soft power that we have mentioned before. The material benefits contain economic benefits, for example, that might be generated by tourism. So having heritage in the list could accumulate help from abroad, help from UNESCO itself, in capacity building too in that own country, which could result in community development um, in that country. So I would say, as a final remark, that the efforts must bear in mind the bottom-up participation, you know, local community involvement as much as possible, and democratic participatory process. Um, in the whole process. That is Unlock the Science reporter Patarawadi Pataranawik talking to Assistant Professor Dr. Gasira Chipensuk, Deputy Dean of Faculty of Political Science, Jualongon University. We will take a short break now. You are listening to Unlock the Science on Chula Radio Plus. For decades, heritage was absent from debates about sustainable development. This all changed in 2015 when the United Nations General Assembly enshrined World Heritage as part of its Sustainable Development Goals for 2030. The goal dealing with this issue calls on countries to strengthen efforts to protect and safeguard cultural and natural heritage, including UNESCO's World Heritage Sites. UNESCO's urgent safeguarding of heritage is always racing against wartime and unpredictable natural disaster globally. The organization constantly reviews the status of world heritage sites, and if it finds that a site has been substantially harmed, the site can be put on its danger list or even stripped of its status. Recently, UNESCO has warned that Stonehenge in England could be placed on its world heritage danger list, 
over the concern that a road tunnel backed by the United Kingdom government would irreversibly damage this area of outstanding universal value. Thailand had also faced the same problem before. In 2016, UNESCO noted in its report that the world heritage status of the flora and fauna-rich Dong Phaya Yen Khao Yai forest was at risk. As Thai authorities has failed to stop illegal logging of the rare Siamese rosewood tree in the forest reserve, the warning forced the government to manage the forest sustainably, and Thailand is able to keep the world heritage status of this forest complex. As an effort to include more locations as world heritage, Thailand's Ministry of Culture is preparing to propose two more archaeological sites of Si Thep Historical Park in Central North Pechabun Province and the ensemble of Phanom Rung Mueang Tam Plai Bat Sanctuaries in Northeastern Buriram Province, with the hope that UNESCO will include them on the World Heritage List by 2023. But to succeed. Thailand must find ways to manage this site sustainably with the engagement and interaction of local communities and their shared history. Stakeholders of the Si Thep Historical Park are doing just that, having been able to preempt a project to drill oil near the site. The effort started as early as in March 2019 with the help from a Thai archaeologist. Dr. Pacharapon Panawan Nayutya, who has studied archaeology at Oxford University, is currently working as a senior specialist with Si Thep District Cultural Council in Pechabun with local communities in trying to sustainably develop this archaeological site. Of the significance of Si Thep, Dr. Pacharapon said it was a cosmopolitan hub during the first millennium of the Christian era. With a population of 80,000 at its peak, and having been a city for hundreds of years, her team also applies new technology such as drones and laser in helping with their works. Up next, a l o c k the science reporter Patharawadi Patharanawik talks to archaeologist Dr. Pacharapon Panomwana Ayutya on sustainable management that engages local communities and the application of modern technology in this old field of study. Dr. Pacharapon is also a research associate at History Faculty, Oxford University. Thailand already has six World Heritage sites. These sites have become famous destination, drawing many tourists that harm the heritage. How do we maintain their historical and natural value with the involvement of local community with the sustainable management? I think the question of how to maintain uh, or conserve these different sites involve different stakeholders, and the most important stakeholders that need to be be included into site development framework are local administration. This goes down to the village level and up into the district level. Uh, it will involves urban planners, agricultural developers. Because essentially, it's not tourism that ruins a large site which develops into a landscape. So, for example, sites like Ayutthaya or Sukhothai, uh, it's urban development that encroaches on historic built environment or properties um, and buildings. Thailand is working on management plans for seven sites on UNESCO. Tentative is. 
How are the government and the communities working closely together to design heritage sites that will benefit both the nation and the communities? Um, the process to create a dossier itself and community involvement um, has been rather uh, tricky at the moment. Um, you have the... Normally, when plans such as tentative listings and dossiers are prepared, it's done by the central government bodies, the Ministry of Culture, uh, the Ministry of Environment and Natural Resources. Often there is a, um, because UNESCO do require community involvement in the process, it creates um this need to go in, uh, do kind of a community, a public hearing, uh, community discussion. But that process rather happens, um, rarely happens uh, comprehensively. So often you get a case where communities are simply informed that uh, there's plans to promote this place into a World Heritage Site. But uh, in terms of the actual grass level uh, comprehensive process itself that you know you have communities planning along the side, realizing the universal value or the history of each places along the side of what officials are writing and integrating even in our community oral history, all those components, they tend to get left behind. Mm -hmm. So that creates a challenge in terms of coming up with uh, a dossier that's truly for sustainable uh, development agendas. Please tell us something about your practice and experience working in CTEP. I think um, the biggest lesson I took away from at least working with communities so far is that uh, there's a there's a an assumption that heritage as a uh, you know an asset a human something that universally everyone needs to conserve there's an there's a small assumption among technicians particularly archaeologists art historians people working in conservation that communities aren't able to understand the legal framework that surrounds it what i have discovered is that um they don't necessary the the misunderstanding didn't stem from that lack of knowledge but rather a lack of engagement because once you start sitting communities down you talk to them about heritage protection laws how houses should be built what heritage cities elsewhere looks like you start getting some real um very visionary uh like leadership coming out of local communities. They want to design the city this way. They think this type of industries, they need these type of skills. They want government authorities to engage with them, bring along these access to these skills. Um, unfortunately, that particular process of paper in terms of UNESCO listing itself has not been carried through um or the necessary follow-ups that the community expect um, hasn't been met. So you have, uh, on one end, the government wanting 
you know, UNESCO tentative listing, UNESCO nominations. On the other hand, you have a community who feels like they're left behind uh, in terms of the whole process and even their own history, their family history, how they're related to these sites, that gets left out of the decentralized narrative. Nowadays, new technology like drone and laser are becoming part of archaeological research and study. How are these technology helping to preserve, conserve, and also promote the heritage? Well, in the past, um, when you have an archaeological site, it's not just the site per se. It's the site and the hidden landscape that surrounds it. So, for example, you have Stonehenge and the surrounding area, which um, in UNESCO term we call that buffer zones, right? Potential surrounding areas that may have sites uh, or historic monuments that haven't yet been discovered or unearthed, excavated by archaeologists. So um, what technology have done for us, and in the past, we uh, the only method archaeologists will know that there's a site, is one, um, you do a foot survey, someone living on that place, near that place, informs an archaeologist, or you have, at the best, aerial photographies. Uh, what drone technologies and laser technology have done is open the opportunity to uh, be more specific and uh, conduct the survey in a wider scope at much lower costs, uh, manpower costs. So it's been great uh, for urban planning um, and kind of mapping out sites, the extent of these sites, and unearthing new cities, unfound sites that may be buried underneath trees um, or even underneath paddy fields. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's opening a new way for us to consider the scope of conservation and what we could do with that data in terms of contemporary urban planning and development planning on such space. Let's say someone lives on a uh, potential monument, then what do you do with it, right? If you know ahead of time without excavating, you can go in, engage with the owner of that particular land space um, and start working with them on how we can conserve and protect these um, unfound uh, monuments. Being named a World Heritage Site is not easy. Firstly, a country needs to compose a tentative list and inventory of those properties it intends to consider for nomination to UNESCO. Currently, UNESCO has over 1,700 tentative list sites from almost 180 countries. No doubt that competition is high. Thailand is one of those countries with currently seven sites on UNESCO's tentative list, including the Sitev Historical Park. To earn a World Heritage status is not easy, but equally tough is how to sustain the prestigious world standing once we earn it. Alok the Science would like to thank Assistant Professor Dr. Kasira Chipensuk, Deputy Dean of Faculty of Political Science, Jualongkorn University, and archaeologist Dr. Pacharapon Panumwan Naayutia for their thoughts on sustainable development of UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Thailand. I hope you enjoy our program. 
You can listen to Unlock the Science on Jalau Radio Plus at FM 101.5 every Saturday from 1 p.m. to 1:30 p.m. You can also listen and follow us on our website curadio.jula.ac.th and our Facebook page. Our show is also accessible as podcasts, including on Apple and Spotify. See you again next Saturday. Have a nice day. Unlock the Science is edited and produced by Sinfa Tunsorawood. <laughs>